Welcome to the Diving Pod. I'm Cliff DeVries, head diving coach of RIT, Upstate New York Diving, CEO of the Professional Diving Coaches Association and founder of Team Dominance Software. And I am Heath Calhoun. And I'm Aaron Rooney. And as always, this podcast is brought to you by Sideline Scout. Make sure you get over to sidelinescout.com. Use our link tree in our Instagram bio to get over there. Check out their poolside live package at a bare minimum. Uh, that's your video replay system. The buttons are easy to use. It's it's incredible. And it's a staple that should be on every pool deck. It's your perfect TiVo replacement. And we're seeing more and more of those kind of um, become extinct. So again, Sideline Scout, the poolside live package, it's wonderful. Awesome. So jumping in here, just for our listeners, this has been a long time coming, Cliff. I think we actually talked about this maybe right after Aaron and I's second episode ever when you guys had regionals up there at RIT. Um, I still remember talking to you about it in like the hotel lobby area. So uh, just mm -hmm. kind of take us through your diving journey and how you got to where you are now. Sure, sure. Well, um, I grew up in this uh, little idyllic little community called Riverton in uh, Rochester, New York. And um, it had a little community pool. It actually had three pools. There was a diving pool, a little baby pool, and a swimming pool. Um, and so I was the youngest of six kids. And I would always see my older brothers and sisters going off the diving board in the diving pool. And I'm like, I've got to go over there. And my, my parents would always grab me, pull me back and say, no, Cliff, you have to learn how to swim first. <laughs> so I, I spent a lot of time in the baby pool and in the swimming pool. And my mom was just teaching me how to swim. She taught me how to swim. And then finally, I was good enough to make to pass the swim test, and I got in the diving pool. And so um, then I did high school diving with a fantastic coach named Coach Young. And um, he taught me some amazing uh, life lessons, as well as gave me my foundation for all the things that I was going to do in diving. Um, I started club coach or, or club with my coaches. Uh, Mickey and Barb, and um, you know they fixed a lot of the things that weren't right and um, put me on the track for Division One diving. Um, I got a scholarship to the University of Kentucky and lasted all of one semester. So I was there for one semester at University of Kentucky, and uh, I started feeling weakness in my arm. I wasn't able to dive anymore. Uh, dropped out of school, went back home. Then I ended up in Utah for a year. And I went on a mission for my church for two years. And uh, then I came back. And as soon as I got back, they found out I had a six inch long tumor in my spinal cord. And so when they removed the tumor, they paralyzed me from the right side. Uh, they paralyzed me, everything on the right side um, from my neck down. And so I, I, I didn't um, have any feeling, no sensation, no movement. Um, after the scarring and the swelling and the trauma went down, I was able to regain a lot more um, function and able to walk. And of course, anybody who's known me or seen me, I, they know I've got this cool swagger. And so I, I, <laughs> I don't have a normal gait and I uh, can't use my right arm. And so, um, so I wasn't able to dive anymore. So I went into coaching. I coached at my old high school and then I moved on to the community college in my area. And then I moved on to RIT. And so um, that's where I started upstate diving and upstate diving is one of the largest clubs in New York state. Um, we've had, uh, USA diving junior national champion. We've had 30 AAU national champions. We've coached over 500 divers. Um, we've been in business for almost, uh, 
16 years now. So um, a lot of divers come through and I, I did the calculation. I've coached and watched over 9 million dives. And, um, and so spent a lot of time in the pool deck and um, I still love getting on deck every single day and working with the divers and um, helping them and just being a part of the sport. And um, so and that gets me a little bit to the PDCA, um, the Professional Diving Coaches Association. And, you know, I, I really feel like diving has been such a big part of my life that I had to give back and, um, you know, looking through and looking at the trends that my, I, I've got a degree in business administration from RIT and I'm like, wait a second, diving isn't as healthy as it looks. Diving is not moving in the direction that it should. I'm like, we, we've got to make some changes here and, and, um, you know, I'll talk a little bit more about that, but um, me and Stan Randall put a lot of work into trying to revive the uh, Professional Diving Coaches Association. And, um, you know, I'm also thinking that there is a lot of tools that diving coaches really need to have. And uh, because of that, um, me and one of the former RIT swimmers uh, put together a software program called Team Dominance, where you can go through it and search hundreds of dives and, um, be able to pull up dives automatically from your phone. So uh, we've been working all my life to, uh, you know, give back what diving gave to me and and really diving gave me my life and uh, also saved my life after my surgery. So uh, very, very dedicated and very passionate about the sport. So, so Cliff, my follow-up kind of goes back to your surgery and, and post-surgery. How were you able to take something that, was i mean life life changing is almost like underselling it is what it seems like how are you able to get to the place to want to coach and be positive like and not be down on yourself because i i don't think i've ever seen you like not smiling you're always positive you're always upbeat and i think there are a lot of people that might be in your situation and not that way yeah um you know i i guess you can look at everything through two lenses and um you know, you can see things as being a, a, a huge problem and having difficulty moving and and not being able to do the things you want. But man, I tell you what, uh, I have been nothing but blessed. I I was able to recover from a, a basically a death sentence, um, and I've been able to not only recover but now I can walk. Uh, I have a beautiful family and a, and a fantastic wife, and so I I, I really. I'm only looking through that lens of look at what I've got and I, I've got a great life. So um, I, I just feel very blessed and you know what, I've had tremendous support from my family. And so just real, really um, amazing things have, have taken place for me. Awesome. I'm interested in that surgery process. Were you in on that decision or was this, Hey, this is kind of a life or death situation. This is what we have to do. Yeah, so when I, I went into the doctor, it's, it's a little bit of a story, but I, I went into the doctor and I'm like, I must have a pinched nerve. There's something wrong. I can't move my arm. I, I can't lift my luggage. You know, I was on my way back from Argentina and um, and, and I'm like, I, I've always been healthy. I've always been strong. Um, and and it's just been going downhill ever for the last three years. And so um they put me in an MRI and they put me in the MRI and they, they were doing the scans and, um, you know, I'm kind of in there and you guys know me, I'm like joking around and 
you know, yeah. the little talk thing and, and um, I'm like, Hey, how's everything going with those scans? And uh, <laughs> they pull me out and they're like, and they've got this look on their face of absolute terror. And I'm like, what in the world is going on? And then afterwards, they, they, they didn't even tell me, they told my parents and they said, they said, um, you know what, he's, he's got this huge tumor in his spinal cord and um, there's, it's inoperable. He's going to die. And um, so I went in the following day and uh, the surgeon I found out had been making calls around to a bunch of neurosurgeons. Uh, Rochester's got one of the best neurosurgery departments in the country and they're fantastic. And what they did was um, he didn't want to touch it. He, so he called to New York City and uh, found a surgeon named Fred Epstein. He was willing to take my case. He had done pediatric neurosurgery before. He was actually a groundbreaking neurosurgeon. And um, he had this new tool that he was very proficient in called a sonic aspirator. Sonic aspirator has this little tool that has a radio wave emitter on the end of it. And what it does is it removes tumor through the center. And it is, it is highly precise and very, very tiny much more precise than any scalpel trying to cut out a tumor. So he was very good at this and he removed 90% of the tumor uh, from the base of my brain all the way down to the center of my spinal cord. And so I really didn't, to, follow, to answer your question, um, I really didn't have any other options. It was either that or wait out my last few days, mm. um, you know, basically in a bed, not being able to move. Sure. Um, so I... I I know you have a good sense of humor. So uh, I led with this one. I said, it's not many times that we get a celebrity on the podcast, right? So um, I, I would like to hear about your uh, your birthday tradition and then the ESPN 30 for 30 and, and what's so important and so cool about that story. Yeah, so, I mean, I, I do this birthday dive every, every year on my birthday and I go off the board and um, it's kind of a, it's kind of a pain in the neck for everybody because it's got to have like three people in the pool, got to have someone <laughs> climbing up. So, so like I only do it once a year. Um, you know what? You know what's funny is that another TV station called and said, "Hey, you want to do it again?" And we'll film you. And I'm like, "No, I'm just doing it on my birthday." So luckily, ESPN they said, well, "All right, we'll just wait for your birthday." But um, yeah, it's it's uh, it's kind of a big deal. It's got like uh, I don't know, 250 million views and a bunch of stuff. So. It's um, and then ESPN did the whole show. And I tell you what, the, the ESPN crew was fantastic. They're amazing. They um, super nice. Mike Farrell was the producer, um, Emmy, Emmy nominated producer with, uh, you know, just tons of experience. I, I asked him when he was doing my videotape, I'm like, hey, so who else have you videotaped? He's like, well, right now on your disc, we're covering up the, the interview we just did with Tiger Woods so that we can film yours. And I'm like, oh, my gosh. So, oh my so huge, huge um, people. They're, they're just amazing. So, um, you know, they came over. They did a two-day shoot for that for that 15-minute spot that they did on ESPN. And, um, you know, and the, but I, I want to – I also want to tell you that it didn't move the needle, you know. And so it, it's got two sides to it. It was great, you know. It was very nice. You got cameras all around me. You know, that's always fun. But – um, did we see a lot of signups and diving because of it? I don't think so. Did anybody join your club or high school team? Cause Oh, you know what? Cliff DeVries is diving. So I want to dive too. I don't think that, I don't think that happened. So, I mean, 
I, I'm not sure that that was really a huge benefit for diving. It was nice for me, and I think it was a good story for them. I mean, they've got a lot of production out of it, and um, every year it's one of the highest highest rated videos that comes through on the ESPN system. So it's uh, it's been very helpful for them. Um, but I wanted more divers out of it. I, I wanted more divers in the U.S. out of it, and I'm not sure that that happened. So my follow-up, and we'll get, definitely get into this more in detail. It really does seem, Cliff, like you look at everything through the lens of how can this help diving as a whole? Like, where did that come from, that that lens of how do I help the sport, not just like how does this help RIT? How does this help Cliff? How does this help our club team? Like, you really do seem to look out for the whole diving community here in the U.S. Where did that, like, sense of community come from for you? Well, you, you know, um, I've always been surrounded by great people. Again, my high school coach, Dick Young, was fantastic. Um, just an amazing person, the the club coaches that I had. And then when I started club, you know, I was walking around and, you know, just out of my surgery and everybody just helped me. Everybody helped me. And um, even before that, you know, there's this article that I read. It was in Sports Illustrated. It was about Greg Luganis. And it just, it just warped my mind. It was, it was like, wait a second, my sport is the most success, successful Olympic sport for the United States ever, you know, from 1904 to 1984, we had more than 50%, not of just gold medals, but all the medals that were ever awarded in the Olympic games for diving. And so the U S was absolutely dominant. And I thought, wow, I'm going to make my mark. I am going to carry on that legacy. I am going to be the, the diver that continues to win medals for the U S and um, you know, of course, after my surgery that was taken away, but that desire, that, that drive to be able to contribute to following up that legacy of amazing divery, of amazing divers and amazing diving in the U.S., that was that was my job. And as soon as I read that article about Greg Luganis, I thought that this is what I want to do. So I, that I, I think that's where it comes from. So I, I owe Greg Luganis a big thank you for that. Awesome, incredible. So, you know, we've seen the reemergence of the Professional Diving Coaches Association. Can you talk to our listeners that are coaches, that are athletes, how it came to be, where it came from, where things are now, including uh, the awesome event that just took place this past weekend? Sure, sure. So um, in the, I'll go way back. Um, 1984, um, Ron O'Brien, Steve McFarland, and Scott Pyle, they uh, came together, put together the PDCA. They understood that there was a need to have an additional organization other than just USA Diving and AAU Diving. Um, that, that, I mean, that was right at the beginning of the transition where AAU withdrew from all the individual sports and the USOPC or the USOC at that time, which is now the USOPC, um, they took over all the individual events with self-governing bodies for each one of these sports. And so um, th they recognized the, the need for coaches to be a major part of that planning process. And so we held two spots on the board at USA Diving, the, the uh, Professional Diving Coaches Association, and we were an integral part of how that grew. And uh, but eventually the PDCA dropped off and uh, USA Diving, um, you know, didn't support, you know, 
the coaches, coaches didn't support USA diving. It was, you know, this, this huge rift. And, um, so then, um, kind of dropped off at one time, the USPDCA had over 350, close to 400 coaches. And, um, it was, it was a really, really productive organization. Um, then it dropped off. It started, you know, having a very limited reach with only, um, the only asset that it had was, um, about a thousand hours of diving time, which was in the video library. And, um, and they were selling those off in DVDs and that wasn't a very effective organization or effective, um, marketing and sales process. And so basically they dropped down into nothing and the, the executive board of the PDCA was dissolved. Then you go back to 2014, Stan Randall and I decided, you know what, we've got to make some changes here. Diving is not heading the direction that the coaches want it to. USA Diving is making decisions specifically for the elite divers. And there is really no grassroots and there's no coach development. And um, so we said, all right, let's uh, let's do this. And so we started up. And so now for the past nine years, we've been trying to tweak everything, put it in the right order. And then 2000 or 2022 in the nationals at city of Midland, um, we picked up Josh on the executive board and um, Mike, and then Chris Zukas came on board and then everything kind of clicked. We, we started picking up members. We started getting a symposium off the ground. Uh, we got our newsletter running. Um, and now we've got our education thing starting to, starting to fall in place. So um, everything's coming together now for, for really, really great um, advancement in the PDCA. Yeah, yeah, I can't agree with you more. And, and I love the fact that at the base of all of this, it's very clear that you just want diving as a sport as a whole to grow and it seems to start with the coaches right and then it's 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 all organic from there um my next one here specifically what can we do to help and grow diving in the usa i realize how broad of a question that is but i'm, I'm interested in the hearing a little insight sure um yeah you know it, it now we have to stop thinking of growing diving as diving coaches. Now we, we have to grow diving as football coaches. We've got to be football. You know, we've got to take what we're really good at and put that out in the forefront and take what we're not good at and pass it off to other people. So, you know what, um, PDCA, we have to take the role as the head coach for our football team. PDCA has to, our, the coaches have to be the head coaches of how we want the sport to run. You know, coaches drive the sport. We're coach driven um, and we are diver focused. If we don't drive, nobody else is going to. PDCA has to take that role. Individual coaches, that's you, Aaron, that's you, Heath. That's all the high school coaches. That's all the college coaches. We have to take the driver's wheel. We've got to step up our role, step up the role as the head coach of our football team um usa diving they're fantastic receivers they get these divers and they put them into international competition and they set up for international medals that's what they're good at that's what they're great at that's what they've done for years and years and decades and decades but they are not good at development they are not good at junior diving 
They are not good at grassroots and they are not good at coach education. So they've got to set up their role as being a receiver, receiver and these great divers that we bring up. AAU is going, has to be um, the quarterback. They're in charge of throwing those divers up to USA Diving. They've got to throw the divers and get really good balls into that, into those receivers to USA Diving, get really good divers up there. And um, high school, summer league, they've got to be the defense. They've got to be defense in charge of maintaining diving, maintaining the numbers, building up the base, setting up all these divers so that they can move into the higher roles and making that base really, really big, get a talent, a talent pool, which is enormous. We're the U.S., we're the United States of America. We've got hundreds and thousands of pools, thousands of diving boards. We have more platforms per capita than any other place on earth. We can make a huge, enormous base. And once that base is full, then we can make some we can make some fantastic divers. Just incredible. There, there shouldn't be anybody that can touch us. There's no reason why Mexico should be one diver behind us in Olympic qualification. And there's no reason why Great Britain should be five divers ahead of us in Olympic qualification. There's no reason for that. We should be leading this and be nipping at China's heels, if not passing them. So, I mean, again, this is all about football. This is about taking what we do really well at the PDCA, taking charge, being the head coach, taking USA Diving and saying, you guys, you're the receivers. You do what you do best. You catch those divers and you put them up into international competition. AAU, you give us a great development program. And uh, PDCA is going to set up a huge uh coach training program. Um, and that's what we're going to do. I mean, we've already started the process with the, with the symposiums, with symposiums. Yeah. So, so Cliff kind of running with your analogy of this football team and the PDC kind of being the head coach, like when you're putting this game plan together to get back to that world stage of really being dominant and competitive with China, what's step one? Like when you look at it, when we're putting this game plan together, what's step one and how do we implement that before we get to step two? Sure. Step one is coaches' education. There's no question. Coaches' education. We have got to get a standardized education program, which is mandatory for all coaches. And um, we, what we, we're doing, we have got the foundations of that. We've got um, Tom Quinn working on that. And so that is absolutely the number one step. We've got to get everybody to a standardized levels of education. So when I say connection, um, then he, you know exactly what I'm talking about for yeah. connection. High school coach knows exactly what a connection is. Yeah. A summer league coach knows exactly what a connection is. Everybody knows what a connection is, and they know the difference between a front connection, a back connection, a reverse connection, an inward connection, and a uh, twisting connection for all four, um, you know, all, all four twists. So it, it, we've got to have standardized education for every single person who steps on a deck in front of a diving board. Yeah, I, I, I couldn't agree with you more. I think, you know, kind of then taking it from the other angle of like, how do we get all governing bodies and coaches to buy into, all right, we all need to be coaching from the same playbook. How do we get that buy-in? Obviously, in my opinion, the people that are mem members of the PDCA are going to love this idea. And I think most coaches will understand it, but how do we get this? So that way all coaches are on board with this idea and, and like, oh no, like, I've been doing it this way for 20 years. I'm going to keep doing it my way. How do we get that coach on board with this idea? 
Yeah, yeah. So, um, you know, th this the whole thing has to be, it's got to be packaged in the right way. So everybody understands that we're not trying to take away from how you've been doing things. We're not trying to change. What we're trying to do is give you some extra vocabulary so that you can communicate with every coach in the U.S. So um, some basic foundational stuff that is physics-based, which is um, structurally sound and competitively um, accurate. So, so basically, there's a bunch of different benefits that happens mm -hmm. to this at all levels. So um, for the high school coach, they're going to see that it is much easier to get buy-in from their swim coach for everything that they do once they have standardized education. Once they can put that certificate of completion on their coach's swim coach's desk, that is going to make them more valuable for high school coaches, for summer league coaches, when they can go to their community leader and say, I have my certification of completion from the USPDCA, it makes them more valuable. When an NCAA coach can go in and say, hey, I can add this to my resume, I am PDCA completed. I have all my NCAA requirements from the PDCA. That makes them more valuable. And so also what it does is it allows everybody to have access to um, a ethics system and a, and a an association where they can get more information and learn more because they are members of the PDCA. And uh, so, you know, I, I just had a conversation with a pool. We're opening up a new pool here in Rochester. And they're like, so what 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 do you do for training? And I'm like, oh, well, uh, we, we do our training through the PDCA. And they're like, okay, that sounds good. And um, so I'm coming up, <laughs> I'm, I'm grabbing this information from the PDCA education files. And I'm like, okay, here's my training. And so um, even though it's, it's not online yet. They, yeah. they, everybody wants to see that. Everybody wants to see that. Yeah. Athletic directors, swim coaches, community leaders, everybody wants to see what is your training? What is your, yeah. what, what have you completed? Well, I know, um, ho hopefully you can yell at me if I'm not allowed to say this, you can tell me to stop, but so I was supposed to help with the level system. And then, you know, me and my wife had a baby <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I realized how quickly that, uh, changes your time commitments to things but sure. i think even even just realistically speaking i think that's such a phenomenal like step because if you look at it and we get high school coaches involved if if you have a high school coach that goes to their ad and is like look like i'm the only level four certified coach in our district like you know it like you said it's going to add more value it's going to add more credibility to that program and and I see the benefits to it, but I think most most of the people, I, I think most coaches would agree with you and and see the benefits to this. At least it seems like a no brainer to me. Um. So so yeah, I mean, yeah, I, you know, it's gonna it's really gonna depend on how we package it. Mm -hmm. Um. You know, if if it takes thirty hours and it takes five thousand dollars to get through level one, it's not gonna happen. Yep. You know, it, they've got to be. Uh, the correct size sections so that everybody gets the right information. There's got to be different tracks for NCAA, different tracks for high school, different tracks for summer league. And um, so that everybody gets what they need. And um, yeah, it, it can't be super expensive. It can't be super long and it can't be really complicated. We shouldn't have to travel to San Diego if we're from New York. 
She's going to have to travel from, um, you know, from Michigan to get to Texas, whatever it is. It, it's yeah. got to be um, online and a reasonable amount of time and effort to be able to get to each level and to complete. And there's also got to be higher levels, which, you know, can distinguish the higher level coaches from the beginner coaches. Right. I, yeah. I really think this is going to be tremendously beneficial from a high school coach perspective. I mean, I'm on the pool deck and I'm exposed maybe to more than the average high school coach in terms of this upper level. Um, and I, I guarantee you, I just was got back from a meet this weekend. And if I asked about a connection on a certain diver's dive, I bet, I bet 90% of the coaches would have no idea what I meant by that, even saying that word. And, um, I think if this was accessible to any and all, I mean, if we're raising our floor, cause if let's be honest, like high school diving is the bottom, that's our floor. And if we just raise that, everything else gets better. So I love, I love the idea. Yeah. I, you know, I, I, I think you're exactly right, Aaron, but I would say that the floor is summer league, um, summer, summer league, you've got some coaches that just, you know, they have never even seen a Duraflex before, you know, they're, they're still working on these, uh, these white recreation boards. And so I, I would say summer league is probably the floor. Sure. And, and I also think like where my brain goes and it's something Aaron and I have been talking about for a while, or I shouldn't say a while, last few months is like, if you're able to get the buy-in from the country and coaches were across the country, you then almost seems to me like an obvious, you're able to do local conventions and have a national convention out of that where it's like, you know, I'm not going to be able to, I mean, financially or just get permission from my wife with a baby to go to California for three, four days, but I can probably get her on board with like, Hey, I'm going to drive to Rochester for two, two nights. And so I think it's like, to me, it seems like a no brainer, but it just goes back to the coach's education. We all got to be working from the same playbook in order for it to be able to have local conventions. And it's across the board under that one umbrella. Um, so yeah, I, I'm very excited to see what comes. If you're able to share with us, what's kind of that next step you're going to be taking with as the organization of the PDCA towards the end goal, towards that game plan. Yeah. I, I mean, so, so right now we have, Again, the organization is growing exponentially. Um, you know, five years ago, we had, uh, I believe, five or six members. Uh, now we have uh, over 150. I think we're at, a, at 170 now members. So nice. um, it's it's growing very, very quickly. Um, the plan is we, we've got 12 different committees running right now, all on different things. Um, so there, there's a lot going on. Um, I just want to touch on, on a couple different things that, that you said. Number one, the travel issue, 90% of all the education is going to be online. So it's going to be online. And so you'll be able to click on it, go through all of the courses, one through 12 online, and then we'll have additional courses that you can take out of that. But the, the, but the outside courses, which are actually going to be in person, haven't even been touched yet. We're, we haven't even touched it. We're still working on all the online portion. Um, so, and then the second thing is the, the breakdown of the PDCA individual chapters are by state. So every state will have a chapter and a coordinator. And uh, we're working on building those out right now. I think we have like eight or 12 um, 
coordinators that that we have running. That's awesome. That's incredible. I'm very excited about what's to come for the PDCA. Um, now, kind of getting back to just you personally as a coach, you know, when it comes to your coaching and your coaching style, what do you think are your biggest strengths and the areas of weakness that you could work to improve on? Yeah, so I, I think um, my my technical ability is very strong. I think I have a good foundation of uh, each part of the dive and and what has to happen on that. You know, I had a friend who was a who was a sailor, and she's like, "Yeah, you got to know how the sails look." And and so for me, I know how each one of those dives have to look, and um, I know what has to go into each one of those dives and the different biomechanics and muscle groups and everything that has to go into that. You know, in addition to, uh, you know, how to build up each one and the progression for each one, I, I feel like I'm very strong technically. Uh, where I am not strong is in um, competitive coaching. So, like, they'll get into a competition. I'm like, all right, go, go, go. And uh, do great. Awesome, awesome. You're not doing great. Oh, that's no worries. No, you, you're going to do fine. I have no idea what to do, what I'm doing with that. No clue. <laughs> Um, so uh, I, and I, I think that goes back to my diving is I just went on autopilot when I was a diver. I had no idea mm -hmm. what I was doing competitively. I just loved it. I could get in there yeah. and dive and I would do great. I, it was yeah. fantastic. You know, now I've got these divers who, um, you know, they really struggle competitively. They have psychological issues. They'll break down and I really don't know how to help them. I'm, I'm getting better. I'm reading a lot of books. I'm talking to a lot of coaches, but I'm not good that way. <laughs> that's that's awesome. Um, so how how has your family played a role in your diving career early on? Your parents and now you mentioned your family earlier. You know what's their role? Yeah. So, like, I get teary eyed sometimes just because of all support I get. It's my my wife is just absolutely fantastic. Um, you know, I'll be gone for weeks. You know, at competitions and. She takes care of our daughters and our boys. Our boys are out of the house now, but I mean, for many years they were, they were home and, um, you know, she did it all. She supported me and, and, you know, she never asked me, Hey, do you have to do all this cliff? Do you, do you have to go this far and go, be gone this long? And, you know, why are your hours so terrible? And why is your pay so low? You know, she, she, she's always just supported me in everything I've done. And, you know, it was the same with my parents, you know, they've always just done everything they could. They, they've just been a huge, huge support. So, um, you know, my, my wife doesn't want any part of the coaching. She doesn't want any part of the business. She, she, she doesn't want to be on the pool deck, but she does absolutely everything to make sure that I can be where I need to be for my, uh, you know, for my multiple jobs in diving. What, what a blessing to have a wife that just is that supportive. Like I, I tell my wife, I'm like, you're a rock star. Like when she helps take care of the baby, when I have to go coach a practice or meet with a recruit, like. I think coaches' wives have a very difficult job, so I think you uh, articulated that really, really well of how grateful you are. So that's that's incredible to yeah. hear. Um, you know what? And congratulations area... on your uh, on your child, Heath. That's fantastic. That's it, that's so much fun. It's it's different. Yeah, you know, I actually just told uh, Aaron knows Seth, one of my old teammates. He's like, "How is it being a dad?" I go, "It's a game changer." I said, <laughs> "My my wife has a a quote that I keep telling people. It's like when you think you want to have a baby, take a nap, and if you enjoyed that nap, don't don't have a baby because that's done." <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, that one's all all Sarah's credit. But uh, yes, thank you very much, sir. Um, you know, Cliff, in what area have you grown the most since the beginning of your diving career to now? Um, so. 
I would have to say in, in loving the work, um, you know, when I started off diving, I think I was the youngest of six kids and I kind of got pampered and I didn't really have to do too much. Everything was done for me. My, you know, my, my brothers and sisters took care of everything. And, and so when I got to diving, it was like, oh, you know what, I'll just play around for a little bit. But then I really got to see that, hey, if, if I work hard at this, I could be pretty good. And I could see the results and the immediate benefits of working hard. And so um, getting getting to love the work and then being able to apply that in other parts of my life where, you know what, if I work really hard at school, I can get good grades and be successful. If I work really hard um, at my job, if I work really hard um, at anything I do, it's going to make it better. And so learning to love the work, that's that's definitely where I have grown the most. I'm really interested in the next one here. What is your favorite diving memory? If you just had to pick one. Yeah. So um, when I was a junior in high school, uh, oh man, now I'm thinking of another one, which is really good too. But but I I, I won the Empire State Games and uh, that, that was fantastic. And then the following day, um, I had a uh, following day. So I won one meter. Next day was three meter. I went up to three meter and I kept on smacking on reverse two and a half. And uh, I'm like, I went up to my coach and I said, this was uh, coach Carolyn Carlton. Um, and she, she's just phenomenal. And um, I asked her, hey, can I scratch? Can I take my reverse two and a half out? She's like, no, you effing can't take your reverse two and a half out. And I'm like, but I've been crashing. And she's like, I don't care. Get up there and do it. And um, so I got up there and um, it's a good thing I was wet because I've nearly peed my pants. <laughs> And um, I I went up there and I I put the reverse two and a half on my head and I ended up I ended up coming in third and so I was that was just fantastic so yeah Empire State Games my junior year that's that's my favorite memory that's cool what was the other one I'd love to hear the other one as well so the the other one was I went to Ron O'Brien's diving camp and um and I was coached by Megan Nyer and um that that was phenomenal and that that was one of those things where you know what, we didn't have a lot of money growing up. And so um, everybody kind of scraped everything they could together. And I saved up a lot of money and I was able to get down there. And, um, you know, I was, I was just in heaven, you know, diving five, six hours a day with the, with the greatest Olympic diving coach of all time and um, working with Megan Nyer and diving in this beautiful pool. You know, it was, it was just fantastic. So that, that was an amazing memory too. She's a pretty special person. That's there's no doubt about that. All right. So Cliff, we just have some random ones for you here that kind of have been thrown on us uh, from guests throughout the, t- uh, throughout the show. So favorite food, favorite food, tacos. All right. Favorite music. Uh, OMD. You guys know OMD orchestra maneuvers in the dark. Good stuff. <laughs> no, but I'm going to have to check I've, them out tomorrow. I've never heard of that. I'm, ex- I, I'm excited. Now. I, I know what my divers are listening to at morning practice now. So that's good. <laughs> All right. Pet peeve. Pet peeve, sticky fulcrums. I hate fulcrums that don't move. All right. Fun fact that few know about you. Uh, all right. So um, there's one day when I was diving uh, in club at Monroe Community College, and um, the, the MCC Marauders, um, which was a nationally ranked club team at the time, they had a bunch of these cute girls that were standing on the bulkhead, and which is right across from the thing. And so um, – I, I'm like, oh, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to go, I'm going to jump way out and splash them all. I'm going to do a watermelon 
land on my head and pull into a tuck and splash all the girls all at the same time. And um, so I'm like, did a triple bounce, jumped way out right to the edge of the pool, did my watermelon, pulled my head right in my knees, knocked myself out. <laughs> <laughs> and so did they, did they, did they at least jump in and save you? Like a no, no, I, I, I like, I like came to, and I like, you know, you, you automatically do your saves, swim to the top. And I'm like, kind of groggy. I didn't know they didn't need to send a thing in, but my coach is running over and trying to pull me out of the pool. And then all these kickboards are getting thrown at me. And I'm like, what the heck happened? <laughs> and uh, so all these, all these girls that were on the bulkhead that I just splashed with, and I had no memory of what I had just done. <laughs> that's a good one. That, that one. Yeah. That one's up there. That was a good one. Oh, that's awesome. All right. We've, and, all, and, we've all been there too. Like just doing something fun to show <laughs> off and then it goes horrible. Yes. Wrong. Yes, absolutely. All right. And then the last one of these, uh, which is courtesy of coach Jen Leeming, um, uh, is if you weren't coaching, what would you be doing? Um, let's see, I'd be working at a boring accounting job. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We're thankful that you're uh, yes. where you are. So yes, we're going to get into our signature questions. Now, uh, we don't treat failure. Like it's a bad thing. Treat failure like an opportunity for growth. So, from that perspective, what would you say your favorite failures or just your best opportunity for growth? Um, so, my my favorite failure was um, my senior year at high school. I was ranked number one in the state, and they made this. They had this huge write up in the paper. You know, uh, the Rochester paper. Cliff is you know the the, the favorite to win the, the high school state diving championship front page of the sports section. It was huge. And, um, and then a few days before the event, Rochester has this enormous ice storm. All right. So the ice storm takes down all the trees. We lose power in 95% of the city. All the schools are closed. All the roads are blocked. Everybody's trying to figure out how to get Rochester back online. And this is four days before the state championship. So I can't get in for practice. My reverse one and a half looks horrible. And I'm like, what the heck? And so the day before the meet, the University of Rochester is able to get power on in their pool. The pool is 50 degrees. Oh. And so I'm going through my dives. I'm freezing to death. Reverse one and a half is going to my back every single time. And I'm like, oh my gosh. And so we get to Nottingham High School in Syracuse, New York, and I am like totally unprepared for this meet. So go in and um, my fifth dive, reverse one and a half. I'm like, pull it in. I've been lying in short on it all, all week. I pull it in really tight, land flat on my face, get twos <clears> and threes. <throat> and um, so the next day for finals, the last three dives, um, I'm able to climb back a little bit. I'm 25 points back, but I end up in second point, second place by 12 points. Mm. And uh, so absolutely my, my worst failure, I felt absolutely devastated. And um, the thing is the rest of the, the rest of the state, all of New York, except for the Rochester area was left totally fine. No problem. So everyone else in the state had practice time, except for the Rochester, the section five divers. And so um, you know, and that, that left a bad taste in my mouth for a long time, but, um, you know, I think that's the fire that fuels me a lot now is that I don't want to come in second again. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's that's an incredible story. I can't even imagine what was going through your head. You know, obviously the big write up in the paper. That's that's crazy. Um, so what are you doing to improve to get to yet the next level? Um, so yeah, I'm just reading a lot of books and I'm, I'm building teams. Um, I'm building a, a fantastic team at RIT that did a huge amount of recruiting. Um, and so got a really good group there. I'm, I'm building the USPDCA, building this executive committee with some really, really great brains and great talent really excited people about moving things forward. I'm building a team um, on upstate diving. I've got some new coaches and, uh, you know, building a team with uh, team dominance and, um, you know, trying to get more people on board with this video video solution, which I think can really help a lot of people with, um, you know, hundreds of dives at their fingertips. Yeah. And which books specifically? So I read anything I can on, uh, management, marketing, psychology, neuroscience, um, sales, business. So I, I'll read about two books a week and um, just crank through as much as I can. Sure. And then uh, this one's from Katie, the pit coach. What's your spirit animal? My spirit animal is definitely a penguin. Okay. Um, so penguins, they are, well, first of all, they're super cute. So, I mean, that just fits perfectly. <laughs> <laughs> then uh, they, they love the cold weather and um, they are great divers and they have fantastic flippers. So, yeah, definitely, they, uh, definitely a penguin. They kind of have some swagger as well. You know, they, they... <laughs> <laughs> Very good. Uh, so what's your why with diving? Um, well, like, like I say, I mean, um, Diving saved my life. It's it's really um, the reason why I'm here. It's the reason why I'm still alive. You know, um, when I was in the hospital, the nurse would come up to me and and say, "Well, you just have a great smile." And this is this is when I was in the ICU and I'm hooked up to about 14 different machines and I can't move anything. And uh, she said, "Yeah, that's 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 really going to help your your progress." And I'm like, "I don't know how my smile is going to help my progress. I think a lot of physical therapy is going to help my progress, but." You know, I, I, I've, I've always had that fight that, um, you know, I'm, I'm going to make a difference to those who are around me and I, I'm going to help as many people as possible. So, um, and diving is my method to do that. So I actually have a follow-up question, um, from one of Aaron's here that's like improved to get to the next level. You know, Cliff, you've been extremely successful at RIT at upstate New York. Has there ever been a moment where you thought about going to a division one job or moving away from that area? Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I've thought about that a lot and, um, you, you know, um, it's, it, it's gone back and forth in my head and I, I, I just don't see division one as, um, a, a huge improvement for where I want to be, you know? So, so your your recruiting time triples, your training time doubles, and you know I'm I'm really really dedicated to making the USAP USPDCA work, um, and I I want to see this software take off, and so that that's that's really what I want to do at this point. Um, you know, and and then you know there's another thing which 
you know, you got to look at when I walk into a pool or an AD's office or a swim coach office, you know, I'm, I'm walking in with a cane and you like to say, uh, you know, well, that doesn't matter. You've got great credentials. It, it does. And I'm not able to pull. And so that's, that's a drawback for my divers and for what's going to, what you need to do at D1. So that is, um, you know, that those are kind of the other side of why I, I, I'm not really looking hard at D1. That makes that makes perfect sense. I think it it also not ironically is not the right word. I'm not sure what the right word is, but it very much like the division three mission statement and vision for division three very much just seems to align with like your core values and like how you approach things. So I think that it's it's unique how coaches kind of find their way to where they're meant to be. Um, and I think that that's incredible. All right, Cliff, favorite drill. Uh, favorite drill. Favorite drill. Um, so I've got four. Um, All right. I love lineups. I love lineups because I think they just they just make everything look pretty. Um, ring kicks. Ring kicks. You're hanging from a set of rings, you know, gymnastics rings. Mm -hmm. And then you're upside down and you kick your feet directly up. So if you're hanging from like a pike up bar, you would kick your feet right up to the pike up bar. I love that one. Um, it really works speed and balance. And if you kick to the wrong spot, it's auto correcting because you're not going to you're not going to stay upside down. So I really like that one. Um, mountain climbers with toe point. So you do the mountain climber run with your hands and uh, with your hands down and you're just pulling your knees up. And But mountain climbers with toe points is where every time you bring your feet up, the toes point. Really like that one. That, that really helps uh, pulling the toes into a point, especially for hurdles. And then um, and then video review, you know, shoving a video in front of a diver is, is helpful. And if you have them watch it six or eight times, um, you know, those motor neurons and the mirror neurons are kicking in and you're able to really see some changes. So those four lineups, ring kicks, mountain climbers with toe points and video review. Perfect. Best advice given and or received. Um, best advice, uh, take one dive at a time. Um, that's the best advice that I've ever received. Um, the best advice that I've ever given is um, after you smack, just get out of the pool and run and scream and it, and the pain goes away. <laughs> I, like, I like that advice. I'm going to try that one. I'm going to try that one tomorrow. <laughs> All right. Who would you like to hear us interview next? Um, Stan Randall and or Steve Volmecki. Mm. Just writing Steve them down. Is the number one Duraflex dealer in the U.S., he knows more about Duraflex than anybody ever. He's amazing. So, and uh, facilities are a big part of what we do. So, yeah, Steve would yeah. be great. And Stan, Stan's just an infinite fountain of stories and knowledge. So, he's great. Perfect. And then, what questions are we not asking that we should be? Um, I stole that one from Doctor Bell from last year's symposium. <laughs> Um, why is Great Britain ahead of the U.S. in Olympic qualification? What do you think the answer is? Um, systems, support, and collaboration. They have got Great Britain has got great systems. They've got amazing support. You know what? They've got to walk on deck with GB swimming on their sweats, but they get money and they get support. They get money and they get support from that. You know, Great Britain swimming. And it almost so I've got a good relationship with uh, the American Swim Coach Association with the president, Mike Murray. And, um, you know, the, the amount of money and numbers that they have in the swimming organization 
if they would just take 1% of that and, you know, push that into the diving well, that would be enormous, enormous for our sport, you know, and, you know, but then we would have to deal with a bunch of swimming coaches, which, um, you know, that that's a communication issue, but they have great systems, great support and great collaboration. And that's what we have to build. Yeah. You know, we're, again, we we're a bunch of diving coaches and we got to turn into football coaches. Yeah. Yeah. So um, before Aaron does our send off, I just wanted to take the time, Cliff. I don't think you ever, I, I think you are aware of the impact you have on people, but you know, for our listeners, like I started coaching at a small D three school that before I got there was horrible. They were bad at diving. I don't mind saying it. And the first like regional meet I ever went to, you just like were one of the kindest coaches. And every time I see you, I think the kids use the phrase, like you're always gassing up other coaches. Like you're always cheering on other coaches. You're always speaking highly of people. I, I don't think I've ever seen you say a crossword or a bad word about anybody. And so I just like, as a young coach, like you are such a role model to young coaches and you've made quite an impact on me and I'm only around you very sporadically over the years. So I can't even imagine the positive impact you're making up in your neck of the woods. So I just want to say thank you for everything you're doing for coaches, for the athletes and, and the sport of diving. It means a lot, whether you realize it or not, it means a lot. Well, I, I, I can't thank you enough. And, um, you know, I, I, I'm just so happy that you guys are doing this. You guys are the marketing Kings for diving. I love it. I love that this brought this podcast is out and um, doing great stuff. And, you know, I, I love the fact that if you're a high school coach, you're going to get a huge amount out of it. If you're a college coach or a club coach, this is just the place to get information. So I, I absolutely love what you guys are doing. And so thank you very much for having me on. I, I, I am just so honored and grateful to be here. Yeah, absolutely. So if you're out there listening, hit us up on Instagram. We are at the diving pod. Our email is of course, the diving pod at gmail.com. If you have questions for Cliff, we can forward those right on along to him. Um, you know, t-shirts and hoodies also for sale via cowing robards. That's my day job. And one of our sponsors, if you'd like an example of an online store, just go to ours. It's divingpod.itemorder.com. Get yourself hooked up. T-shirts, hoodies, hats, they're all on there. It's super easy to use, user-friendly. Uh, just use divepod at checkout. That gets you free shipping. Cliff, once again, he said everything he can on a thank you note. But um, from me, same respects, man. You do so much for the community. I'm really excited we got to have you on and uh, we can't wait to work with you guys in the future on just continuing to promote diving and the PDCA and whatever our role is um, excited to continue a relationship. So thank you very much. Thank you. All right. We'll see you next time.